Hi lovely people, Martha here. I'm just dropping by to leave a short disclaimer in case you're wondering how come the last few uploads are so long, 45 minutes long uh, for some. It's because in this month of May, we are running a series called the May Career Mentors Magic. And the intention is to curate a space where we are bringing together couple of professionals from across different industries who have taken unlikely paths and who have approached their careers in a strategic, intentional and sometimes disruptive ways and to bring them together to share their stories with us because we truly believe everyone has a powerful story and when we listen to stories we can draw different learnings for ourselves so the next nine also uploads will take a different direction from the usual but i hope that you enjoy them and you get to learn or pick one insight that might shift how you look at your career in the moment and in the future as well thank you always for listening and for sharing and looking forward if you can make it to the next Mentors Magic session that will be running in May. Great, thank you, artificial intelligence. <laughs> awesome. So Lisa, um, we've known each other for a couple of years now, I think maybe three or four years since we had our yeah. when you're exploring like what's your next step um, in your career and it'd be yeah. great if you could just share um, in, what have you spent the last five years of your career doing what are like those highlights of um, the most significant milestones that have brought you to this space yeah okay that's a really loaded question <laughs> exactly it's, it's better than everything so really I loaded, I'm like... there <laughs> I will know where to poke, but yeah, try and make it uh, as short as possible, but okay. we'll still go deep. You you just go okay. with what speaks to your heart. Yeah. So for the last five years, it's mainly been a lot of trying different things. I think that's mainly been it because I have so many interests. I like doing a lot of things. And when I do them, I put my mind to it and I focus on it and I get good at it. So I actually found out, my friend and I found out there's a term for it called multipotentialites. So it's people who can, who have many different interests and are actually good at different things. So now with that, the challenge is, there's that now, you know, there's analysis paralysis of, I don't know what to do because I'm not sure, but there's also the analysis paralysis of, I can do all these things. So what do I actually want to do? Yeah. So I think for me, it was just trying to uh, work around that. So I used to do a lot of facilitation and teaching because I really enjoyed that volunteering on that. There's a time I even when I was reflecting, I remember there's a time I was a research assistant for like three months because I was interested in data. Um, like there are times I have done now because I studied engineering. So of course, also doing engineering gigs here and there, teaching how to code, working on engineering projects. But with time, I just had to start understanding like what actually brings me joy. And I think you put it best when you say, what's my zone of genius? Like what comes easy to me? And that's where now it all said coming together into program management, project management kind of things. Yeah, then that's what led me onto the path I am in right now. 
Yeah. Fantastic. I love the summary. Uh, first time someone has done such a precise summary. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I will highlight a couple of things that you said, because I know mm -hmm. the background of these stories. And let's start with, I have many interests. And I know you've traveled to different countries. You've taken up pro bono activities. Touch, maybe you can touch on one, two of those, like your experience mm -hmm. in Botswana, you starting the whole um, non-profit NGO. NGO. Yeah. What about that was your interest and what were you trying to learn in those different experiences? Okay, so that's a very interesting question because I wasn't trying to learn anything. I was just doing because it was fun and it's what I liked. So maybe I'd start with the NGO because that was the first thing. Yeah. So for me, the NGO, it was more of when I was in high school, I used to love volunteering a lot. It's something I did. Then I get into campus, I'm studying engineering and I'm like, yo, okay, I, I'm, I'm passing, I'm doing great projects, but this is not where I'm seeing myself in. So I was like, what can I do? Then training gigs started to come up because now, you know, women in STEM was becoming a thing. And then they were looking for female trainers. So I was like, okay, I know I can learn hard things. So let's learn how to go code for the purpose of teaching. So that's how it started. So I started learning how to code. I'm getting gigs here and there to train and facilitate sessions. And then at the time I'm like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm enjoying the facilitation process. And the coding is something like that was the, the vehicle that took me there. It was the vehicle that I necessarily wanted, but it's what I had with me in that particular point in time. So now with that, and then getting to see the experience of the impact that it had, that your team pull out code and people who actually want to learn this thing and you're seeing the impact it's having on them, how they're getting exposed and their eyes are being opened. I'm like, oh, wow, okay, there's something here. So now with that, uh, a group of friends and I really love volunteering as well. We came together and you're like, you know what, let's create an opportunity now for ourselves, for fellow young people, where we can go volunteer our skills to other people, whatever that skill is. Because I have never wanted to limit it to just coding. So if let's say you're good at, I don't know, painting, can we go to a children's home and you teach a child how to paint? So we're looking at that angle and that's how the NGO came to be. And we really like pushed on with it because it's something we saw there was a need for. And so we just kept on trying to also have more events, seeing what more we can do. So we were able to even find a children's home where we did some interior design for them. I were able to set up a community center in Kariobangi. So able to do a lot with that. And for me, that really helped me grow. And I think that's where I realized, oh, I'm actually good at this. I can project manage, I can program manage, I can bring people together. So I said noticing what I was good at while doing that. Yeah. And now it's with that experience now that now when I said getting, you know, I finished campus, now I'm getting a job, I'm doing the engineering jobs, but I'm like, this is not for me. There's something else out there. Yeah. So now I get the, I get the Botswana opportunity. So something I'd applied for, because now when I was in campus, I knew this frustration. And I talked to a lecturer who, who was like, yo, may I know what I want to do, but engineering is not getting me there. So I explained to her what I want. And she was like, okay, then apply for this program. I think it would be beneficial for you. So I applied, forgot about it. Then I get the opportunity later when I had a job then. I was a project manager at an IT firm. So I get the opportunity to go to Botswana for like a month. So of course, I'm, then something is telling me, once you go here, you won't want to come back to this job. 
<laughs> something's just telling but of course you know the african culture it's like you don't leave a job and also when i'm telling my boss hey oh, i need to resign because i'm going for this like no you can go for one month and come back it's okay yeah. but i really had to put my foot down and be like no i don't know what holds what the future holds you know i think as the millennials they're like oh then i don't know what the future holds yeah. so let's see what shall happen yeah so i go to botswana and now here i got to now learn about human-centered design so it's like everything slowly started piecing together in a way that I couldn't really explain. So going to Botswana, getting that experience, working with the locals to actually create innovations that are beneficial for them. So it's like local solutions for local problems by the local people with local materials. So everything local centered. Then coming back and continuing the NGO work for a while. So while I was doing that NGO work, where like it was pro bono, no one is paying me to do anything. And that's when Moringa, because I, I used to blog a lot. Then Moringa noticed they're like, oh, okay, we'd like you to come lead a program. And that's how I transitioned into professionally being a program manager yeah lovely i i love what you said there one thing just to bring it back for the audience this idea of the vehicle that i coding was a vehicle that you found that was not necessarily by choice but it's what that is that was there and that's really powerful because i think sometimes when we find ourselves in like jobs we don't like or opportunities that are not really what we were looking for we may focus too much on the feeling of, I don't like this, than asking ourselves, wait a minute, okay, I'm here, I don't like it, but what can I learn from it? You know, That's so true. I know that, yeah. exactly. And then in, in relation to this big topic for today, standing your ground um, in, and then bringing in again, the idea of your interest. I know there's this one time along the journey of your career where you just put a hard stop and you're like, now I need to just figure things out. Tell us more about your journeys of standing your ground and how that has shaped um, your story so far. Yeah, so I think I've stood my ground more times than I thought I had. Oh, now so, you realize. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so like even going back, when it was to go back to campus, I remember being someone, I was doing so many things when I was in campus. So of course, people already like, ah, you, you're going to go to those Akina KPMG, like big places. I'm like, I had already, I had done an internship at Unilever for three months and I already knew that this is not for me. I was like, this is not for me. But now, you know, with the kind of person I was then, you know, there's the high expectation of this is expected of you. So yeah. immediately after the, my final year exam, I remember just going home and being like, I took up, I deleted WhatsApp. I just deleted so many things, all the applications, because I needed some time to just think. Because there was so much noise from everyone, like, if you're in this field, oh, you should do this, you should do this, you should do that. So I needed to quiet that. So I can say that's one of the points that I stood my ground where um, you're seeing your friends getting jobs in these big, big places. You are there just, you know, like for me, I was doing a lot of research, talking to different entrepreneurs because I was trying to understand different spaces. Sometimes it can feel like you're not moving, but at the same time, it goes back that saying that says sometimes you have to move slow to go fast, something like that. Slow and down to speed up. Yes, yes. So yeah, along those lines. So I'd say that's the first time I did the stop. And then also that Botswana experience where I did something unconventional. I was like, I'm not coming back to a job once I go to Botswana. But I just had to, I think when it comes to my career, I've really learned to listen to my gut. Mm -hmm. So that's the second place. Then the third place now is what you're referring to where 
I got to a point where I felt like everything was okay. Like I'm in a good company. Um, everything is working out. I'm doing a good job. Um, like I'm getting recognition within the organization. But it got to a point where I felt like it's taking me to a direction that I do not want. And especially I think the further you get into your career, it becomes harder to just do those hard stops. Like, you know, like I was in a job that I didn't necessarily like, so it was easier. Yeah. But if in a job where you actually like the people, like the committee, and you're doing actually you're doing really well, it's very hard to actually call it quits and say something's not right here. Let me walk away. Like this is something that takes for like two years or something to do. Because I I knew from the moment I took now that job, I was like, yeah, this is not for me. But let me stick it out because I actually learned so much. Yeah. But it got to a point where it started getting now more frustrating, and it started getting very specialized into the field I didn't want. So I just had to, to, you know, have a meeting myself and be like, okay, so what are we doing about this? Are we willing to actually take the risk? Okay, let's work for six more months. Let's save enough money so that we are able to make this, this drastic move. Yeah. Wow. I don't know where to go. Um, listening to your gut. Thanks for dropping that in. <laughs> um, how do you do that? Because it's connected to intuition, something that many of us have not probably most of the time we probably haven't mastered how to actually trust it and follow it. How, how, how have you learned to trust your gut more? I wish there was like a, an answer for that. Like this is what it takes to listen to your gut. Cause I've also looked for those answers. They're not there. <laughs> you know, it's something telling me it's time to leave and everything is working out. You want to Google, how do I leave? How do I know how my you? gut is? But anyway, um, for me, it's ensuring that I create like opportunities of silence for myself mm-hmm. yeah because it's very easy to get caught up in hype let's say for example in a job that you're okay in but everyone around you does not like the job you're eventually also not going to like the job yeah it's the same thing if you're in a place where everyone is happy and if you start feeling like i but i should be more grateful i should be more you know that thing for i i have it really good so you start also like like you start shutting them out so for me i really like you know me i hike i do all these things where i get an opportunity to be by myself i try to journal and it's more of those things where i just create such moments for myself either during the day like during the weekends where i sit with myself and i feel okay how are we feeling okay this time it's just my emotions okay so i'm okay (laughs) you need to be able to find a way to distinguish between your feelings and your gut it's very hard but i think with practice it gets easier yeah yeah and sometimes i mean i'm a very intuitive person as well and it's like i think it's one of the things that i've really worked on over the last two years you know because as high highly intuitive people the signs are always there, but sometimes we ignore them because we connect with things very, very quickly. But then we don't know whether we are being crazy. <laughs> like, is this where too I'm dramatic? <laughs> or is this like, is this what I am actually seeing? Ninety-nine percent, you're actually seeing what you're seeing. Yeah, there's no, yeah. there's no cover up. So yeah, I think sometimes it's also about um, trusting the signs, and the more you do it, the more you're you get better at it. And I can yeah. almost feel that distinction between is this intuition? Is it just my crazy emotions? Yeah. But I true. found a lot of clarity as well in silence. Um, so that's helpful. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Um, 
You shared with me about using your values as your magic ingredients for career growth. How has it, how has this been your guide along your journey? Yeah, so I think it just all goes back to being able to be true to yourself. So it's, it's more about understanding what is important to me. So I know that many times I write down what's important to me, for example, is impact. What's important to me, I love interacting with the people. So I need like that front facing kind of interaction. What's important to me is I would like to have a bit of decision making power. What's important to me is this. And I think that's the most important thing, especially in, in, in careers. Like what is what what do you value? What, what are the things that bring you joy in your career? Because I remember earlier on, someone once told me, in careers, you're going to have to eat a shit sandwich. Wow. <laughs> That's where like, you will find like the bread is what you like. The lack of better word, the shit is what you don't like. Yeah. Yeah. So now that's what needs, uh, that's how like I look at jobs, like what do I like, what do I don't like? And then with that now, I try and ensure that it has more of what I like, because I know either way you still won't get something 100%. Yeah, so it's more about just understanding yourself and staying true to what you really want, because it's very hard, especially in times of desperation, you'd want to get, go for the first, you know, first thing that comes around and it might not be the best thing. Yeah. So just trying to, as much as possible, to stick to your guns. If you need to journal and place it somewhere so that you're always seeing it to remind yourself, that's very important, yeah. And just so picking up on that whole idea of jobs that we like, now bringing it really practically to a job application or assessment process, how mm -hmm. do you identify a job that you like? For you, what do you look for and how do you look for it? I feel like that's a very subjective question. Yeah, for um, yourself, because then, oh, so you're asking for me. For you, yes. For me. Not, okay. Yeah. yeah. So for me, definitely culture. I think culture is something that's very important to me. So that's one of the things I, you know, the way they say even in an interview process, you're also interviewing them. How do they respond to me? How do they get back to me? Like also studying those signs. How is the interview process? You feel the vibe in the room. So for me, culture is one of the most important things. Second is working hours. I don't believe in a nine to five. I believe in flexible hours. So that's very important to me. I try and avoid jobs that require me to work during the weekends because I love to hike, like I have a whole other life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so with that, and then of course work related, is it, where is it going to get to me at the end of the day? Because sometimes it's a job where you might have to compromise on pay, but it's something that once you're done there two years, you're going to like double your pay. So it's all about what am I also getting out of this? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Now, coming back to interest and stubbornness, yeah, mm -hmm. uh, or rather stubbornness, standing your ground, etc. You also shared about doing what you want to do anyway, even if you don't know where it's headed, what's the end game here. What are some of the experiences that you have pursued in the past because you are curious about them, you didn't know where they'll end up, but they actually ended up to such a great place? Yeah, I think for me it just goes back to the training thing. Mm -hmm. I just started because I was like, you know what, why not? And then sometimes I told you you'd be paid. So, you know, as, as a campus student, you're like, I'm going to be paid to do this. Uh, I will, you know, I'll stay overnight just trying to learn these things so that I can be able to teach people who are beginners. So I just started as that, as more of just 
let's see what happens. Because I remember even when I started doing it, my mom would tell me, I see you going the area of ICT. But I knew ICT is not for me. But I was that's what I was doing. I was teaching coding. But I knew it's not where I, where I wanted to head eventually. So that's one of the things. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything. I'm sure there are a couple of things. Like I was a research assistant for like three months. I don't remember even why I did that, but but I, I did that at some point. And it's all those things where I got to learn stakeholder management. You're working because I was I was working with someone specific and they had very high standards. So also working with regards to that and working with different people. Um, I'm sure there's some random things I've done in if I look back, but I can't even remember. But it's all about sometimes just doing things because you like them, especially early on in your career. Because you'll find these are not things you can do much later in life, especially if you'll have responsibilities and you'll have dependence. You can't just pick up and leave. I think right now, especially if you're if you're young and you don't have any responsibilities, now is the time to, if you want to try something, just try it. You have nothing to lose. You'll just know, ah, oh, okay, then I guess it's, this was not for me. And then you shift and you pivot and you try something else. So like even reading books like Designing Your Life, where you treat your life like a, like an experiment and you prototype with different careers and see, oh, is this for me? Ah, no, okay. Is this for me? Oh, no, okay. Yeah, so I think for me, that's how I indirectly approach life without knowing that that's what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. sometimes we are natural with these things. <laughs> you know, we just keep sailing through doing random stuff and it makes sense that you have forgotten some of these experiences because for you, it was your way of being. I think yeah. the more we lean closer to, and I you taught you touched on this earlier, being true to yourself and showing up from that true, genuine, authentic place. The more what might seem random and spontaneous to other people externally starts to happen in our lives, and for us, it's just building up to something much more bigger. Yeah. Um, I mean, back then you were just doing training pro bono. Now you are actually a senior manager in training and development. Yeah. And it makes me curious, what is it you learned back then that you have brought to this current job that you have? When you look back at oh, those days I was hustling, trying to save the world, and now I'm using those skills because I have half of my skills, I learned them 10 years ago in campus, the yeah. stuff that I use today. So I'm curious what that stuff for you. I think for me it's the art of being able to i'll get a bit technical here it's yeah. about the art of being able to understand the whole pipeline because like you'll find i'm in a program management company so here you get to specialize and focus like if you're focusing on implementation that's it there's someone else who's focusing on you know creating the curriculum etc but now earlier on i would do everything from start to finish, I will do the community engagement, I will do the marketing, I will do the, the creation of the content, I will do the implementation, and then thinking about the impact as well. I even did a course on social impact analysis, how to develop surveys and things like this. So it's something that really helped me, especially I'd say in 2019 because now I got the opportunity to now lead a program. And in that sense, like, and I was the, I was a team of one in that point. So I was the one in charge of everything, but then the other pool to supplement here and there. So I was able to even increase the success rate of the program because first of all, I had done curriculum creation before. So now the curriculum that we had, I found ways to supplement it with other things to make it stand out. Introducing things like holiday boot camps and things like that, yeah. So I think for me, that's something that really, really propelled me to where I am right now. Just by doing all these many, many things, they may not make sense in that moment, yeah. but you get to a point where all those dots just start connecting. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. So let's say there's someone listening in and they are like, wow, I would really love to passionately pursue all my interests and stand my ground and be like stubborn on the things that I like and cut through employers BS and like just go for the two that I want and actually get them. What are some of the mindsets you have used in your own journey for you to be able to stand your ground? Okay. So the mindsets I've used, I think for me, I don't know if this is a mindset, but I would say patience. I think that's one of the things that has really, I've been forced to learn and I've been forced to do to be able to continue growing because Wait, let me pause to, you there why mm-hmm. forced to learn forced to learn because i i knew you know that moment like the moments where i've had to take a pause i knew there's something pulling me but i couldn't tell what it is so i had to stop and in today's world stopping is not common because when i go 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 society sometimes you don't even know what you're chasing Oh, you're just yes. running, running, <laughs> running. Yeah, like you're done with work. You put on Netflix. After Netflix, you fall asleep. You wake up. You check your phone. You check emails. You start work. Like we are in that go, 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 go mindset in society. That taking a break is very, is like I okay. Sometimes it's either like we'll think there's something wrong, or you have a problem, or even you sometimes you feel that FOMO. Like what will happen if I delete social media for a month? You know. <laughs> things like that so for me I really had to learn patience because it's only with patience that you get to be in that moment of silence and listen to yourself to get the clarity that you want so for me that's I'd say that's the first thing the second thing is networking that is something that has really helped me a lot and networking could also be not, not only just network, but also talking to your friends sometimes about decisions, about careers, about what they think here and there. I think that's very important. And I think for me, that's something I've really held here because sometimes I was about to make drastic decisions and then you talk to a friend and they're like, and once you just get that sounding board, you're like, oh, okay, that was just my crazy emotions. Does it make sense? Or someone who's actually been in that space and you're like, I'm facing this. What can I do? What should I do? So even just learning the art of, I know there's a time I actually even like called messaged people on LinkedIn because I wanted to learn more about what they're doing and their careers and just being brave enough to do that. And even within the, within the jobs that you're in, identifying people that you want to learn from. Because in your, in your workplace, you have so many amazing resources. Just go approach and be like, oh, I like what you're doing. They, might, they don't need to be in your department, but they'll be more than willing to help because at least they know you in that space. So that's the second, I would say networking. But the third thing, I think for me, I'd say um, like being, it goes back to being true to yourself, being true to yourself and ensuring that you have something, you have hobbies. I personally believe in- How do you ensure you have yeah, hobbies? Yeah, ensure you have hobbies. <laughs> no, but hobbies in the sense of like, have something that is yours. Because I feel like sometimes we attach so much value to our I'm career. not joking, Lisa. <laughs> How do you ensure you have hobbies? What you like to do. Let me just say that. What you like to do. For the sample, by the way, I have met people who their work is their hobby. Yeah. And, you know, and if your work is a hobby, then find a way to make it yours. So let's say your work is, I don't know, reading about or rather designing. 
So you graphic design, you do all of that. Yes, there's that for your workplace, but how can you like make extra effort to grow yourself aside from your organization? Yeah. So there's there's a book I remember I read earlier on called Visible Expert, like putting yourself out there because you also need to stand out as you, not as you a graphic designer in this organization. So how do you stand out as you yourself? Does that mean that you churn out content via blogging, via posting, I don't know, social media or something like that? So how can you do things that are yours, you own them, that if your job was taken away from you today, it does not take that away from you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I, I love this. So what I'm hearing is, is like, it's the things that are within us that no one yeah. can take away from us. Exactly. So pursuing more of those. Yes, yes. Because I think also just realizing our our generation, I think we are very, it goes back, we are very caught up in career as well. Because I'm very career driven. Sometimes I work a lot. But I'm getting to that point where I'm realizing I cannot attach my value to what I do. So how can I find things that make me me that if today, you know, something happened and I no longer had my job, it does not take every essence away from me. I don't lose my identity because I am not identified as a senior program manager at this organization. So, yeah, so that's something that I deliberately do for myself. I find spaces that I can be me and, you know, creating them for myself, be it in hiking, in learning to play an instrument, just random things, because at the end of the day, we are all working to create a certain life for ourselves. So if working was not there, what would you do with your life? I think I would go and live in a farm and just <laughs> and learn and you know go with that instrument and just eat organic food and things like that. So, like, what would you do if if you had money? If the government was churning money at you every month, like, what would you do to find peace and to find contentment? Yeah. I love the farm idea. That please add on our list the things we and Martha have in common. I, I will. <laughs> To a farm with a guitar and a few spinach seeds to grow. Exactly. Um, so for the audience, in case you're still there, yes, you still are, please, uh, it's a good time for you to start sharing your questions on the chat. We will be taking them in exactly the next uh, one or two minutes. Um, yeah, so please, uh, you can type your questions or if you're able to, just unmute yourself and speak your question to the room. Uh, there was somewhere I was going and now that I've, ah, now I've remembered. So you've talked a lot about uh, reflection and the power of silence, yeah? And how, wait, Lisa, you're frozen. You've talked a lot about um, reflecting and silence and pausing and taking time out to just like stop everything and shut down like just so that you can think you know I usually say like everybody shut up I want to think you know so it'd be really interesting if you Lisa can you still hear me it's frozen again when I can't do yoga workouts Sorry, oh yeah. When I can't uh, work out or do yoga, there's this app I use. The the it's just the irony that you don't want to use your phone, but then use your phone to depend on meditation. Yeah. Anyway, so there's this app I use called Insight Timer. So you get like 10 minute, five minutes meditation. And I remember this week, 
was it on Tuesday? I did that and just set the intention of my, for my day. And that has changed, has drastically changed my week. Cause I woke up and I was like, I meditated for like 10, 15 minutes. I sat there and I was like, okay, today I want to do this. I think it comes from intentionality as opposed to it being, you wake up, you don't make sure you want to achieve that a bit, but you're still in business. Like you're caught up in the busyness of life. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just the intentionality of today I want to achieve X, Y, Z, like actionable outcomes. So I'd say planning and I'd say definitely creating moments of silence for mm-hmm. yourself, like throughout the day. Does that mean you go for a walk? Does that mean that after working, especially now with working at home, after work, can you have a clear transition between you working and you now transitioning into its home time per se? Does that mean like you read a book for like 30 minutes or does that mean you go for that walk? Does that mean you listen to music for 30 minutes on loud in your room, in your house? Or does that mean like, oh, you cook as that's your transition for I am now done? Whatever you think would make you feel relaxed, like there's a change in what's happening in your day. Yeah. Awesome. I love that, um, that in that we are hearing how to actually bring this idea of silence and reflection and grounding ourselves on an everyday basis. Awesome. So the last thing before we start taking questions is how do you use that on much more now, like thinking broadly for your career? So let's say, do you do like every three months or every six months? And then what do you do there? Okay. So my goal was actually to have like to go and leave every quarter. But we all know life happens and things happen. So right now, um, it's been I, I'm going to have my leave now in June. So that would be like six months straight of working. But now for that, for me, I've talked about hiking. So you can already tell, like, so I'm going to climb Mount Kilimanjaro in June. Oh, so for me, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for me, I just love that experience because and for me, when I go to mountains, you know, sometimes like even Mount Kenya, I did Mount Kenya, you can find network. But for me, I told people yeah. for five days, you're not going to find me, don't even attempt. So I switched off my phone. Even though let's say I'd have my phone on because of music, it was on airplane mode. So just getting that experience where you're very, I sound very hippie. We're very one with nature. <laughs> and you know, oh, you're... Really? <laughs> I, I know what you mean, but yeah. I know, I'm just like... This is that like I actually this is work in progress. I have not always been like this. I started hiking in 2019, mm-hmm. and then it's just a bug that has caught, and I don't know what to do about it. So finding something different, like do you, does that mean you travel? Does that mean on that holiday you do something that for you is relaxing? So for me, what's relaxing is hiking, like getting away from everything and being in my own area of silence where I'm not teachable. That's what relaxing is for me. So it's for everyone just finding like, what is relaxing for you? Does that mean you travel? Does that mean in that one week you, I don't know, you dedicate yourself to reading a book. I actually don't know how other people relax. I'm not gonna lie. But now just looking into your life and see what can you do to shake yourself up and rejuvenate so that when you come back, you're ready to start again. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah awesome thank you so much so thank you Eunice for your question Eunice asks what is the one thing that you you know now that you wish you you had known earlier and how different do you think it would have steered your life or your career great question mm-hmm. Eunice thank that's you that's a very good question mm-hmm. that requires some reflection so what's one thing that I know now that I wish I'd known earlier mm-hmm. let me think 30 seconds of reflection. <laughs> oh, okay. Mm. I think for me, it goes back to 
the power, it's something that I knew, but I don't think I, I did as much, maybe the power of online courses, especially when I was in campus. Mm-hmm. In campus, we have so much free time. We have so much free time. And for me, like I filled it in with, uh, of course, like now training CTC, but I didn't engage with e-learning platforms as much, as much. I don't even think they were that popular back then. Mm-hmm. So for me, like that's something I wish I did. I think I would be, I think I would be in the same field, maybe just farther than where I am right now. But even just thinking of it, I'm like, I don't think I would do anything different in my life. I think every stage, everything happened as it should have. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I can see what you mean with course, the e-courses and realizing how much time you have. we have. I also realized like, <laughs> I, I keep joking that I, I now write at least four hours a day. Don't ask me where the time come from. Ask me where before Corona, I didn't have four hours a day to write. That's, that's the better question to ask, you know? So we waste so much time and we don't even know. And this is interesting. Sometime on Sunday, I had um, a call with a group of friends and one of our friends brought in another lady, super, super ambitious woman. It's like crazy, crazy. You know those people who make you want to disappear under the table and never come out of the table, yeah? They yeah. have imposter syndrome. This chick is like, I have two jobs. This is X that like I'm able to make and the results I'm able to create. And I also get to spend time with my family and do all those Netflix things. I can even tell you which is the latest series. You are all disappearing under the table, you know? So like when we truly audit our time, there is, even if like it's four minutes, five minutes, like wake up and read or listen to an audio book for, 15 minutes every yeah. single day. It seems like nothing. In mm-hmm. a year, it's a lot, you know? So it's true. Yeah, I can relate to that. But actually, just now that I've, I've thought more about it, like it all goes back to the learning thing. But I started reading books much later in life. Because for me, books was more of academic. So you're telling me to go study and then you're telling me to read a book for fun. It never made sense. I never read the Harry Potters, the Jimmy's and Boons. Those are things I'm hearing right now. People are like, you didn't read those. Because for me, reading was those things that it's an it's why you adding work to me. Yeah. So now I wish actually if I started reading much, I think I would have consumed so much information. I think there's so much out there. Maybe I would even have like more growth as a person because of that so like please just like find time to read is it even though it's fiction i think there's so much escape we can get from fiction it's just beautiful if you find like really good um i don't call them self-help because i don't consider some of them self there's those ones that self-help but some that are research-based self-help yeah. books for lack of a better word like finding such books can really help you like grow and become a better person in how you even handling careers right now will be very different because we need to start looking at books as mentors as well oh i love that because my book is going to be exactly that (laughs) it's going to be your best friend that you just hug and talk to about your career um and and on the self-help space not just yes researched and or and or very practical like you can open the book read something and be able to know what to not know what to do but like know how to apply it into your life because a lot of self-help books it's like 
you really I did this. Like, so you do this. Yeah, yeah, I did this, you do this, eh? Doesn't work, different context. Or you read and you feel so nice, and then it's like going for a motivational talk. Yeah, that's yeah. true. And then like the motivation mesha isha kesha. So now, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's true. And maybe just to add on that, I really recommend people to read this amazing book called The Defining Decade. It's a beautiful book, especially for people who are under, under 30. It's a very beautiful book. Mm-hmm. I the Defining Decade. I think I still read it. <laughs> Do not leave it yourself. <laughs> we have something. Let me first check on time. We have four minutes. Awesome. So if you have any more questions, please type them. Uh, we have something from Valentine. Um, Valentine says, thank you for reminding me the power of silence. I think in this crazy world, we are too busy and end up missing a thing or two in the bustle. We end up missing one million things in the bustle. Thanks, Valentine. Um, the book Defining the Decade is a really good book. Catherine Getao, thank you for plus one. Now let's come back to Valentine's question. So Lisa, while transitioning from engineering to program management, did you equip yourself with skills in that new field or did you learn on the job? I know you mentioned that before, but kindly repeat if you don't mind. So probably it's just the repeating, but maybe how would you respond to that question in a much more systematic way? Yeah, so I'd have to say that I, I learned on the job, but also what was helpful is that the first, I'd say, job I had I had employed myself as an NGO. So I got to learn, okay, this is how I plan an event or this is how I do community engagement or this is how I do this and that. So I got to ex- I got to experience and learn with my friends together. So now when I got like now a paying or an employed job, it was more of just like getting better at what I was already doing. Yeah, so, but on, you'll always be learning on the job. And one thing I want to challenge, like uh, Valentine, if you're transitioning to a new role, find a way in which your, your, your current skills can be transferable. Yeah. It could just be in the way you present it. Like everything is in how you, you present it. And that's why we have, you know, con men can be very successful because of the way they present themselves. So even for you, just learn how can I present myself in this particular way? that will enable me to still secure that job in that different field. So transitioning should not be a challenge. It could just be either you can transition directly based on maybe the transferable skills are much easier or you'll have to like move slowly. So if you don't want to start from the beginning, yeah. So I believe it's very possible to transfer your skills. It's all about how do you present them? And also you challenge, like even in the interview process, they see how you think. You'll find people who are hired for a job, they had no qualifications just because of how they presented themselves. So don't limit yourself just because you are not in that industry. Exactly. And I don't know, thanks for that. I don't know if Valentine, you are there, but we've talked, I think this is now the third time this question of transitioning is coming up in in different ways. Uh, if I can automatically remember, I will tell you later what uh, podcast that is. But if I don't, I am sure you listen to it. You listen to all of them again and you will hear it again. But there's also this idea of like what you're really talking about, this systematic and slower, steady-paced project management um, transition. That's where the intention and the strategy comes in. Because yeah. you can think, okay, now I'm engineering, but I don't like it. Okay. But I'm going to live in exactly two years. So how will I in two years have the same experience or even better or just close to someone who's been in the field longer than me? Because what I keep telling people is 
the truth is you'll be in that final interview with someone with a direct experience. So you better have an, a story to tell or an extremely incredible learning journey that has brought you here. If you're just playing on the game of transferable skills, it won't work. Not because you're not great, because the other guy is there or the other lady is there and they have the experience. So they have plus one, one mark more. So Valentine, it's important. And I know you're currently in that transition phase. It's important that you, you start thinking, how can I accumulate to small, small to experiences because accumulate in the field that you want to go to. And by the time you're applying for those really complete jobs in that space, you already have that, that experience. Thanks for that question. Um, is there something else? Not really. Yeah, so something else Valentine had said, I've also been challenged to acquire a skill that if my job was taken away today, I will, it will really come through for me. Absolutely. Like, I think if there's one thing that we have all learned, especially in the last, can't believe we are saying now about 18 months, but a, how many is it? Maybe 15, 16 months. Yeah. This yeah. idea of you can't just rely on being good at one thing. The longer your list is, and the more you can start to think from a skills mindset and how can I monetize this? What little time can I get to build on something and to actually make money from it? The much more safer you are yeah. financially. Yeah. And awesome. even having the mindset of an entrepreneur, because you know, there's an entrepreneur and there's an entrepreneur. So what can I do? Because I think it's that mindset of an entrepreneur that if you're if you don't have your job, it's more, of, okay, then I guess I just have to figure it out on my own. And you start crafting a path for yourself. Yeah. So also just in your, in your role, don't think as just, I have been hired to do this and that is what I will do. But think of, okay, what more can I do? How better can, because you're also challenging your mind and you're also preparing yourself for certain situations where you might have to also apply those skills. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. Final words? Final words on standing your ground, <laughs> pursuing as many interesting things as possible. Um, what are my final words? I think it just goes back to try everything, try everything you want to. I personally believe we can do everything we want to do in this lifetime. I recently, there's a time back I saw an article of uh, that president, George Bush, Mm -hmm. where he was painting and i'm like this guy got to be a president and now he's being a painter and i think we can all eventually try out the different things you want to be a dj okay work for a while find some time in your life to start doing djing for fun as in i think we can get to live the life that we want if we create time for what we want yeah 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 fantastic that's a beautiful place to finish today thank you so much for your time lisa ian says thank you for sharing um jackie says interesting discussion thanks lisa for sharing 